right, welcome to Cover Stories B-Sides. Today we've got David coming in to talk about At The Drive-In's version of The Smiths. This night has opened my eyes. How's it going? Going good. Thanks for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun because this is a cover I forgot about. Yeah. Um, this is on uh, the compilation contract ending uh, album. Uh, the station is operational, and it's towards the end of it. And uh, it's it's a pretty straightforward cover. Um, I forget it's a cover a lot. Yeah, uh, actually, I would pr- probably say this is the first Smith songs I heard. Oh, really? Yeah, and like kind of like I, it was that the writing style and the music style, the musicality. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't. This sounds different than at the yeah, driving. yeah, especially it, the singing, obviously. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. And it, it's it is really kind of pretty true to the original. Um, listening to it again because the first today I listened to it for the first time in a long time, and I was just waiting for it to like. Get really? at the driving ish, yeah. <laughs> um, but then again, there's also a lot of similarities to Invalid Litter Department. You kind of hear that w- when they can do like the slower songs and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, like that noodling, yeah, like that bass noodling that's very at the driving-y, You know, probably more Mars Volta, but yeah. yeah. And you get that in that, and it plays well with the uh, chord structures that um, I don't even know the guitarist for the Smiths, Johnny Mar, yeah, yeah, that he wrote, yeah. Yeah, um, the funny thing about this song, too, is that this comes at the end. Uh, the last three songs in that album, I believe, are Initiation, this song, and then there's a Pink Floyd cover. And for some reason, I used to get... Back when I, I used to listen to like, albums straightforward, I wouldn't... I was I was really against downloading. I was a boomer when I was 12. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I liked listening to albums all the way through, and I used to get mixed up, and I used to think that Initiation was the Smiths cover. I knew there was a Smiths cover at the end. Oh, okay. And lyrically, Initiation sounds like a Smith song. And I was like, oh, this is an At The Drive-In song. And then like, and looking back now, I'm like, how did I ever think that? Like, It's it's so obvious now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, now when I listen to it, it, it definitely just sticks out as a sore thumb on that album. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the the Pink Floyd song is super psychedelic. It was too. It was like definitely hinting at like Mars Volta stuff. I'm like I'm like even having trouble remembering what that was. Honestly, it just it's it's messy. Like it's it's controlled messiness. It's just very it's very psychedelic. It sounds like a tie dye painting, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um. So uh. So yeah. I mean, this is the first Smith song you heard. Um. When you heard this and found out it was a Smith, did you go back and check them out more? Or did yeah. I like immediately went and found uh. Was it uh, Louder Than Bombs? Uh-huh. The Smiths, like, uh, volume one of their greatest hit release. And then that just led me down that rabbit hole for a while. And then I just started discovering more bands that did yeah. versions and was, like, slowly kind of digging on those more than I even dug on the originals. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I definitely came on to Smiths late. Uh, even after this album, I don't think... I, I hate to admit this, but I think 500 Days of Summer got me to go back and, like, listen to the Smiths and made me realize that like oh like i've heard some of these songs and i am familiar with them that's not that embarrassing i think <laughs> perks of being the wallflower perks oh, being really? wallflower, like the book was the one that got me like originally i was like oh that's a, there's a band called the smiths and they do melodic weird depressive music yeah and then when i found out that this was a smith's cover i was like oh yeah that depressing melodic <laughs> band let me go listen to some of that prime time of my life to be listening to it yeah I was like 16 17 so it was like this is what I want to hear, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, not to mention, like, at that time, I mean, that's when Third Wave Emo was getting really big, and all these bands who were inspired by the Smiths and inspired by Morrissey are, are getting big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember, uh, do you remember the band Play Radio Play? Yeah. Out of, yeah, Houston? Like, they, or he, was, like, a huge, I was really big into him for a while, and that was very much, like, that kind of, like, slow Smiths build, 
to like something that you think's going to have energy, yeah. but then it doesn't really. You know, yeah. 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 Um, and, and then also, I mean, I, I forget a lot cause I'm trying to erase him from my mind, but Jesse Lacey was a big oh, yeah. <laughs> Morrissey fan and mixtape has that line about liking Smiths and liking Morrissey. Um, so I think from 500 days of summer, I go back like, Oh yeah. Like this is what brand new was talking about. And it makes me feel really like nerdy to say that. Oh, yeah. He even has a, was it untitled Two, the off of like one of brand new's like weird like off record tracks uh-huh. is just a pure smith song oh really like he's literally talking about like girls with broken arms not you know being coddled by boys and stuff yeah. it's just like <laughs> it's so obviously just he was just trying to write a smith song yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of their their stuff i mean especially like deja and tendu era stuff is oh, just so definitely. like and it, it was unapologetic he wasn't even trying to like hide it yeah it's like no this is my version of the smiths right yeah, now exactly um, also they inspire, I mean, I, it's going to be hard to talk about the Smiths in just one direction. So we're going to go all over the place. Yeah. Um, but pretty girls make graves is, I, I love that band. And I learned like years after I got into them, like, Oh, that's a Smith song that they're referencing off of. Um, so there's a lot of bands like the Panic at the disco is based off of a Smith song. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean the influence is clearly there and it, it's just crazy to think about like, this is early to mid to late eighties or just the eighties in general. Yeah, it's like pure eighties. Yeah. And, um, they, when you think of, I, I guess growing up when you, when I thought of eighties music, I didn't think of this era. And then I've got my uncle who was really into that stuff, who kind of got me from this into like, got me into joy division and got me into, you know, new order and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It was definitely like, this was definitely the only type of music I listened to mm-hmm. from that era. And then once, uh, I, I got married like a couple, like a year ago, and my wife started telling me about like, oh, you, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen yeah. and all the, these, you know, other bands that are very similar, but not as, I don't know, just well-known. As yeah. Much. Yeah. Or like respected, quote unquote. Yeah. As the Smiths, not Morrissey, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and I forget that Morrissey solo stuff was predominantly 90s stuff. And there's just such, it's hard to listen to like a Morrissey single and then listen to Smith single. And think that there's about a decade in between them because they're still the same vibe and they're pretty timeless. Yeah, I don't think I ever got into Morrissey's single stuff. I prefer to Smiths. Yeah, there definitely. are some Morrissey songs I like, yeah. but I definitely, if I had to choose, I just I prefer the Smiths, regardless of reasons to not like Morrissey as a person right yeah, now. Right. Um, but uh, the one thing I think is the most interesting thing. One of the most interesting things about the Smiths is that there's this fan base of, of the Smiths that they, like he, they had Morrissey's especially himself had this fan base of like young Latino kids. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. I've, okay, this, cool. It's like weird. Like he was kind of like, that was like a meme before memes yeah. were around like in middle school of just like these weird, like, like knowing that like tons of these weird punkered Latinos yeah. were so into being depressed by Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chuck Klosterman, he has an, an essay about going to like a Morrissey convention and talking to, to, you know, young, uh, you know, even like this was like in 2005, 2006. And even at that point, yeah. you know, these teenagers who weren't even alive when these albums came out are just obsessed with, with Morrissey and the Smiths. And he was trying to like figure out what it was like, you know, from a sociological standpoint. Did he ever get anywhere with that? Um, I think he, he t- it's been a while since I read it, but I, I remember he talked about, uh, not to be stereotypical and, and we can say this as Lat- young Latinos, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a masculine culture to it. And the fact that, you know, he is, the music is very open, very vulnerable. 
very sensitive it was kind of a, a weird it was it was a catharsis in a way that yeah. you know they could kind of okay i'm still a man i can still change my carburetor <laughs> but you know listening to them more and it's weird because it, it, everything kind of just fell into it it wasn't like people just accepted that within that within the culture yeah it seemed like it would had been around before yeah like like yeah it just seemed like people there was no backlash yeah or anything yeah it was very i think that uh, that also was a part of the meme of it of just like this is just so weird and it's just happening yeah it's just allowed to happen and no one's commenting on it <laughs> there's a and then i uh i had talked about this in the previous episode but vince staples uh the rapper was talking about how much he loves joy division and they asked him i mean because i mean that's a pretty it's a rare inspiration for a, a young rapper yeah definitely. they asked like well who got you what got you in the joy division and his response was oh the mexicans across the street what up <laughs> nestor you know <laughs> and it's just so funny because joy division obviously there's smith's fans or joy division fans and vice versa and the fact that 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 connection is there and it's just like oh yeah that makes sense and we can't figure out why it makes sense but it does but it just does yeah, yeah definitely i think and i was listening to some more smith stuff today i haven't listened to smith's in a while um like completely i have a, you know, their song yeah. every once in a while but um it's the reverb that they use and like the way that the songs are recorded sound very like churchy right yeah it's like churchy it's like ethereal almost yeah and that's that's yeah perfect they, way to describe it they do the weirdest thing to me where in the, like they fade in on a song yeah like as if the song has been going on for the last minute and then it just starts coming yeah. up and then all of a sudden oh i guess we're listening to a song now it's like they don't do like that classic like you know you got the one instrument build like yeah very radio head build up things and stuff they but forgot then, to turn the volume on and yeah, like, yeah 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 they were jamming for a while and then someone was like oh shit record yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, you know, and I, I don't know if this is like a psychological thing, but as most Latino Latinx in general are just Catholic, yeah, I, I wonder if there's like a connection there, <laughs> like, oh, like this is acceptable because it sounds like church news, even though they're talking about death and you know everything. Right. Yeah, that's just so true. It's just a something subconscious. Yeah, that makes it okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny because I mean, I have to drive in or like the Pride of El Paso and. I'm willing to bet that Omar and Cedric were like jamming the Smiths in their room after uh, yeah, <laughs> after class, right? Um, so I mean, it, it's hard to talk really about the, the the cover itself in the sense that you know usually when we talk about the covers, they're very different. We can say what we like about it, what what's different about it, but it is very much the same. And I think that the the one thing I, I love about the cover is that he sings it very Cedric sings it very true to the original, but also like. It feels like sincere. It feels close. It feels like he wrote it. Yeah, it does. I remember thinking when I re-listened to it again, uh, feeling a little bit, uh, I don't know. I was like, eh, I can't think of the word, but like, I was like, man, his vocals aren't as good as I thought <laughs> as in my head they were yeah. just because they're very flat sometimes. Yeah. But he's, like you're saying, he's being real reverent towards yeah. the original and he doesn't want to like change it up or do like some screaming on it or anything like that yeah it, it definitely feels like a kind of sing along in your room like after you get dumped or something definitely yeah that, that's the version i would put on after i got dumped versus oh really the original, right? <laughs> yeah that my, was a little more sad my go-to anytime i was sad was let's not shit ourselves by bright eyes oh nice that's always the album that if i and i'm not in any way like leading to her so people don't worry about me, but if I were to ever drive my car off a cliff, that would be the song that I would drive my car off a cliff to. 
but it's eight minutes long, so I'd need to find like a really high oh, cliff oh, really, to, to really get a, to a real it. wily coyote cliff. Yeah, Thumb and Louise type of cliff. There you, you go. Know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. I, I just um, I, I love hearing these kind of influences with with these this era of, of bands and and I mean he's not geeking out on the song but you can tell like he does hold it it's has a special place in his heart yeah exactly like i think the whole like you, like you were saying they probably all do yeah yeah like they it, it like you like you, i think you pointed out perfectly with that um that article you were talking about how they probably listen to it yeah. in their rooms alone to yeah. feel to have like i have emotions too guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh do you know what the song's about? I mean, I, when I first read the lyrics, I thought it was about like abortion. And that is, I, I was about to say, isn't it about abortion? I, I'm confused because I was doing some research on it and um, it's based off of this play from 1958 called A Taste of Honey by uh, Shalai Delaney, Shalai Delaney. Um, and the play, I was trying to, he actually recites lines from the play in the song. Excuse me. And, um, it's about this woman who's estranged from her mother. Her mother basically not abandons her, but essentially abandons her to like live with her boyfriend. She meets a sailor. She gets pregnant. The sailor proposes and he goes off to, to be on his ship and she moves in with the guy and it, it just kind of ends abruptly where she's having a baby but the sailor's black. So the mother disowns the baby, but it ends, I believe it ends when the baby is about to be born. So it, it, the song is based off of that, but there are things that you hear in the song, in the lyrics that yeah. sound very much like the baby's not there anymore. No, it's like very like La Llorona or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like, did someone like, you know, yeah. drown a baby yeah, <laughs> in yeah. this song? Um, but the, the line, I mean, the the dream is, has gone, but the baby is real, just feels so like, man. Right, that's that's a tattoo waiting to happen. Yeah, for, I'm sure there's got to be people with <laughs> tattoo. Someone has the, the entire lyrics of this song tattooed on their back. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I can see just like some some hotshot like lawyer who had to quit law school to because she got pregnant and 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 now that's just a reminder and you know she's a happy mom now and now she's gonna go back to law school and exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's around. It's under her uh, her Rolex watch. Under yeah, her, on her wrist. <laughs> the dream's not gone, <laughs> <laughs> and the baby is. Still real, still, yeah. Yeah, it's still around. <laughs> um, they, uh, I, I don't want to keep a theme of people who have been disgraced for being uh, creepy and me tooed, but Ryan Adams was talking about this song <laughs> in an article, and it was just talking about you know a testament to the Smiths itself as being beautiful but creepy and and dark, and he was saying that the song itself is beautiful. Smiths have this melancholy melodies that just resonate. It sounds pretty and sad at the same time, yet also very urgent. It doesn't sound like anything else. Even now, it doesn't sound like anything oh, else. No, it's there's such a unique like like the song itself is so unique, but like and on top of that, the whole Smiths are yeah. so unique that like no one has really come out with anything that sounds similar. And, and even if they did, people would just immediately be like, "You're that's a Smiths yeah. ripoff." Like it's yeah. the Simpsons did it, the Smiths did it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's really cool to to, to ha the fact that that they've been relevant for so long, and the fact that they've inspired so much, and it's hard to imitate them without coming off as a carbon copy. Yeah, exactly. And especially if you're gonna do like a straight cover, yeah, and, and you're trying to sing like Morrissey, and he has such a distinct singing style and like pattern and cadence to the way he sings. That it's like, yeah, you're just gonna come off as like a, you're just imitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, the thing that that is kind of 
more than ever present is the fact that Morrissey's not even that great of a singer. It's just no. <laughs> he just he, he sings in his voice. Yeah, and that's like the best thing that an actual like you know singer and artist can do. Like uh, Iggy Pop, another great performer. Yeah. Like he sings in his voice, and then like through the years, he found a voice. Yeah, his, like crooning voice. But yeah, like you just. You do it, you know, and like the best bands are like that, you know, Kurt Cobain. He probably wasn't the best singer. Yeah, he scream a lot. Yeah, um, so you you've provided a list of of covers, and I believe you have a theory that every Smiths cover is better than the original. Is that right? I, I it's it's purely based on the like. Wait, I think you brought up the ethereal nature. Yeah, I'm like sometimes I'm just not a fan of that. Yeah, and and I and 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 all these people, a lot of them do very uh, straightforward covers. Yeah, some of them aren't so straightforward, but the ones that are straightforward that quality really isn't there. And it just, to me, I'm like, oh, it's like a nice song now. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm forced to listen to the Smiths. I feel like so (laughs) reverent. I'm listening to the Smiths. (laughs) Like I can just enjoy the song for the song's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you've you've mentioned, you sent me a few. One that stuck out to me, and it's one I've heard before too, is Coheed and Cambria's cover of A Rush and A Push and The Land Is Ours. I mean, Claudio is just on another level. Oh, yeah. And I, I love, I mean, if they just decided they wanted to be a cover band, I would be front row for that. Absolutely. Yeah. He can just tear up anything. Yeah. And uh, I, I think they covered when Gatye was big at that single, uh, someone that I used to know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They covered that. And it was something that... Like I've heard that one. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And I, before I heard their cover, I was thinking to myself, like, I want to hear Coheed cover this because I can hear them throwing the riffage on there and then oh, Claudio yeah. just tearing up the vocals vocals. yeah Yeah, and then they did it exactly it was almost like either i probably heard it and forgot about it or like i dream i felt like i dreamed it into existence (laughs) it's funny too because like he has such a unique vocal style too that when i played that song for a a friend of mine he did not like that cover oh really (laughs) not like the way he sings and i'm like well that's just a personal preference thing i think i've had friends who really enjoy the smith's actual uh like music uh-huh. But the second that Morrissey starts singing, they're like, they cut out. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, all right, this is, I don't like this anymore. But yeah. I think it's definitely like an acquired taste, I feel. Um, when you look back into, and I think that that's probably a reason why I never listened to them until I started hearing these other bands cover them. Exactly. You you get kind of preconditioned with it. Um, and uh, it, it just becomes something that, that you're almost like, it's almost like you have to do the research before you get into it. <laughs> Like, so recently I was trying to get into the band Guided by Voices. Oh, yeah? And so I go and I'm like, all right, let me let me look at this discography. It's like like 30 albums yeah. or something ridiculous. Like, and, and that's the way I felt, I think, when I first was like trying to get into the space. Oh, yeah. Because it was like they'd already had like 10 albums out. And I'm like, where do I even start? And that's yeah. why I just got the, you know, the best of volume one. Yeah. Louder than bombs. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck it. I, I, I'm... I'm the weirdo that thinks that uh, Beatles One is the best Beatles album. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just give me the hits, That's the, the spark notes of it. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought it by voices up because they're a band I got into really late, like probably the last six years or so, and I only got into them because I heard uh, I got really. Do you know Amoeba's YouTube channel? What's in my bag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of inspired this show, our podcast, a little bit, um, and I, I love hearing people talk about bands they love and why they bought these albums. And I want to say it was modern baseball and I had just really got into modern baseball and they were talking about how like they got into guided by voices and I had tried to listen to them once and it was just kind of boring to me. Yeah. And then they played game of pricks cause they'll, they'll play what they're talking about and game of pricks fucking rules. There's two versions of it. 
Jimmy World does a really great cover of it. Um, but I went, I, I, I saw that CD at CD Exchange for like three bucks. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna buy it, and I fucking love it. Like it's that that album is a little bit more lo-fi. I think it was like early '90s maybe. Um, and it's really a testament to the time, but, but yeah, I, that's, that was my like gateway into guided by voices. I'm writing this down. Right oh, okay. Now, Cause <laughs> I'm like, if you can give me any clues on guided by voices, I will take them. <laughs> yeah. Get, get either version again, cause there's two versions of it. Either version of game of pricks. The second version is definitely more produced. It sounds cleaner, but the original one, it almost sounds like kind of aerial pinkish. Oh yeah. You know, it's very like lo-fi. It sounds like something you would see in like a seventies, like, dating video you know like <laughs> those lowered expectations yeah. videos you know um stuff like that <laughs> um but uh it's still really good and it's just it's super catchy it'll be stuck in your head for weeks nice yeah it was uh hilarious because like i was just I was, someone told me uh hey listen to guided by voices blah blah and i like pulled them up on amazon one of like their top you know played songs yeah i am a scientist and I was like, wait, that's Guided by Voices? That was on like three mix CDs that oh, really? used to make for me. I loved it. I was like, I, yeah, that was one of those moments where I had. I was like, now I do need to get into this band. Yeah. Because I, like, I, I dig that song. I dig that styling, that weirdness that they, yeah. they, they give. Yeah. I didn't. I always, for some reason, thought of them as an ELO. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I That makes sense just because of their name. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I, I think the first time I really heard them heard them, Someone covered them on AV Undercover, and um, it was, I can't remember who it was. It was someone I'm familiar with. I just can't remember who it was specifically. And he, they asked him, like, oh, are you a fan of Guided by Voices? He's like, of course I am. I just don't like going to their shows because I'm a nerd, and they're a jock band. Like, jocks <laughs> like that band. And I get, I went to a show one time, and I got pushed around. I just didn't it's have hilarious. a good experience. <laughs> and it's just so funny because I, I, when I hear them, I'm just like, I don't get that vibe, but I, I guess... I was gonna say uh, I had a similar experience when I went and saw Minus the Bear one. Oh yeah, yeah. There was like all these like real rowdy like big drunk uh, dudes in the audience. I was like, this doesn't feel like this band's you know audience at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I feel like they're just so multifaceted that they have different sections of of fans. I went the last, not the last time, but one of the last times I saw them was at Emos, and I was there with a friend. And um, I wasn't feeling very well, so I went to the rest. I hate going to the restroom during shows. Oh, yeah. um, so we're like in the middle of the crowd, so I'm like, okay, I gotta get through this crowd. And I'm going through, and I'm you know I'm, I'm trying to be polite about it, which is hard to do at a show. Oh, excuse me. Oh, and I'm like tapping him on the shoulder. I'm making sure, like you know, I, I I've got female friends who hate the wasting, and I obviously like I'm trying to be very courteous. Yeah. And I I tap this guy on the shoulder. He's just standing his ground. He knows that I'm there, and he's there with his girlfriend. And he kind of just like is just standing his ground, like I don't know why, like I'm not even trying to get in front of him, I'm trying to get to the side of him. And he kind of stands his ground, so I just like squeeze in front of him, and he pushes me. And this is like during like one of the slower songs. It's not even like during I can't even think of a, a fast song that would like nights or anything. Yeah, you know. And and I turn around, and I ask him like, oh, "Are you okay? Like, is everything? Did I do something wrong?" Yeah. And I'm trying to like being sarcastic. And he's just like staring straight through me, and I'm just like, "Man, like I didn't know." There'd be assholes like this at this show. Um, but it's interesting. I, I think that, that they definitely have, it's a kind of band that everybody can like. Oh, definitely. Uh, uh, unlike the Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone would be really, yeah, it'd be a different story. <laughs> it'd be a weird show. Nowadays, you don't even know if you're going to see a, a Morrissey show. I yeah. Had a, I had a friend uh, get tickets twice and he canceled twice. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and most recently, he played with Interpol and it was right after... 
he made these comments and um, I'm not going to paraphrase him because I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly. I just remember the gist of it and yeah. basically came in support of like a white nationalist group. And yeah, I run big Brexiter. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, the one time he didn't cancel, they didn't sell. Out. <laughs> so I don't know if it was a combination of that and the fact that he flaked so many times before, or yeah. if it was one or the other, but Interpol kind of tried to distance themselves a little bit from it. a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Guys. I mean, it's one of those things that you like, you get this, I'm sure Interpol are probably fans of Morrissey. Like they have to be, I mean, who's not like we're talking, who's not yeah. a fan of the Smiths and yeah. Morrissey and stuff. But yeah, it's like, that whole artist versus art yeah. argument that rages on for sure. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it just would suck to be like, oh, like this is our dream. We get to tour with our heroes. Like, Ugh. right? <laughs> I'm not with this guy. You're like he he just starts like spouting his views yeah. on, on the tour bus. <laughs> yeah, uh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's one of those, few, those examples of not to meet your heroes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I 100% believe in that. Yeah. <laughs> I met Dan Harmon once and he gave me the most limp wristed handshake oh, really? ever. And it's not that I don't respect him still, but it was just very disappointing <laughs> at the time. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was that? Maybe like four years, four or five years okay, ago. So, so just that, post all his, his like episode. Like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to like analyze it, but yeah, yeah, he had some rough time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on that, I and mean, speaking of him, I, I would like to point out that of all the apologies and putting quotations, um, that have been out of public apologies, he had like the best one and I hate to quantify it that way, but I, I thought it was the most sincere. Oh, definitely. You see all these like clearly written by publishers apologies in, in the news and the worst part is the whole, I'm sorry if anybody was offended. Like, there's no responsibility. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and his was very heartfelt. And, and Megan Gans, the writer that it was for, accepted it. So it felt kind of like, okay, like, it, it's it's cool that he's accepting responsibility. Yeah. The, the the loop got closed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, it's not left open. Like, yeah. Like, all these other things that are going on. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but going back, back to Morrissey and the Smiths, what are some of your favorite covers of the Smiths? So, um, you know, I have nothing on the top of my head right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm blanking so bad. I do like, uh, I don't know if it was Death Cab or if it was just Ben Gibbard. Yeah, it's on there. <laughs> Let me look at these real quick. I don't know if it was Death Cab or Ben Gibbard solo, but he does this Charming Man. And it, it I love that he kept, I love Johnny Marr's guitar for one thing. It just sounds so jangly and like, it almost sounds like a kid learning guitar for the first time, it, but playing well. It is like deceptively difficult yeah like like a chord structures and stuff that he's using because i remember when i was first getting into playing i would be like oh i want to learn some easy ass yeah. songs and you look it up and he, these like weird like drop seven minor yeah chords you gotta you, put your pinky up and yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly i'm like my hands are i've got to take more magnesium my hands are cramping yeah. so much <laughs> so off this list i see one that i was really that i loved so much and it was the um symphonico honolulu cover uh, and it's just a straight like Almost like it's like a ukulele, um, strict. Uh, was it no lyrics? Oh, just cool. Like, yeah, instrumental. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know words. <laughs> this is me not even on podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the older I've gotten, the worse. Like I learned one word, a new word, and it moves yeah. another one out of my exactly, or just a concept. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I got really into a lot of uh, was it ukulele covers. Oh, cool. There's another band, uh, the Great British Ukulele Orchestra. That that's all they do, and but they they sing with it too, and they have some of the uh, if you if you just want to like look at fun ukulele covers, cool, those are amazing. It's 
I am so like I'm fifty fifty on a lot of like that sounds cool, but I feel like there's so many like stereotypical like sorority girl looking oh, yeah. girls who just I'm gonna cover rap songs. Oh yeah, and I, I the whole concept of like like gentrifying rap songs was funny at first, but now it's just kind of like okay, like it's been twenty years. Can we do something different? Exactly. Now, what's nice about this, at least, is that uh, they present themselves as like an actual orchestra. They all yeah, have tuxedos, and each one is playing like a different tuned or a different size ukulele. So it's you know it doesn't come off as just a person in their room. Yeah, it's not like camera. you're trying to do a Zoe Deschanel impression, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, which is I mean, I'm not I, I love Zoe Deschanel I just it's just that there's so many of that that is out there and it's the carbon copy yeah yeah, yeah. It's no originality yeah um, do you watch Atlanta uh, no, I, don't, I have not actually so I've a couple of the episodes there's you did a kind of sort of paper boy is the rapper yeah, yeah. and there's a part where he's looking for a new plug and he meets this guy he's perfect but the guy is like a super fan and he texts him a cover that his girlfriend did of one of his songs with the ukulele <laughs> and it was just so funny because it just hit on all levels. That's like such a good joke. Yeah. That is so funny. There's so many things in that show that, that are funny that I don't think everyone realizes are supposed to be funny. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, remember just, I remember that was the reason why we stopped watching it was because it was like, I can't understand the tonality <laughs> of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a part where they are running from, a, uh, running from somebody, end up in this fret in Georgia. And that's, you know, stereotypical frat guys. They're talking to him like, oh, we love you, Paperboy, this and that. And uh, one of them is like, yeah, you're like my favorite rapper behind Post Malone. <laughs> and it's one of those things where like, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, that, that's cool. And there are people who are like, oh, no, that's hilarious. <laughs> that is super funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. I didn't know there were like ukulele orchestras. And I guess Hawaii, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it, 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 it I discovered them a long time ago, and yeah, definitely, it's it's hard to bring them up to people because of yeah. the exact reaction of just like ukulele. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I started. I played ukulele like ten years ago before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a stigma, and I think I don't know when it. It sounds like it's definitely one thing is taken seriously, and two, it's not to be kitschy. It's just because no, this is what we play. Like yeah. There is a there is a way to do it both seriously and kind of exactly yeah, yeah. and I think uh, yeah I think the orchestra thing the reason why I like it is because they just present themselves so professionally yeah and it feels like you're like oh I'm reverent for these people you know they're, yeah they're, they're in the videos are in front of like audiences and stuff oh people actually paid to come see them rather than you're just in their you know bedroom yeah yeah there's a, and like Jimmy Fallon and the Roots do like those kid toys covers oh yeah yeah i've seen those and that's really cool those are awesome and it just felt the, the fact that like they're having fun but it's also like no like we're seriously learning this song that's funny too because that was kind of the reason why i got into ukulele oh yeah because i wanted to add a weird kitschy element to like the acoustic songs that i was uh, playing at the time and at the same time i bought like a little glockenspiel like one of those bing, yeah bong, like one of those you know and i wanted to get like a toy piano and like that was the idea was i was trying to create like a little toy instrument house yeah and then and then the one instrument that i was actually good at blows up and becomes yeah. this like meme <laughs> of like people making fun of it <laughs> I'm like, ah, fuck. <laughs> um no that's cool and I, I just i don't know i think there's still a way to do it it's just i mean for one thing you're not like a mousy girl so yeah. you've got that going for you right i just need to get real tan and i'll look uh hawaiian enough I'll yeah samoan I think a lot of it's just a, the song choice too. Like, oh, definitely. If they were doing like a Fleetwood Mac cover, that would be then them trying to like rap 
and yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely yeah the 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 hip hop covers yeah it's just like go away like, yeah yeah it was because I cover, re- ukule- cover ukulele songs how about that guys there's yeah. songs that were specifically written for this yeah. instrument yeah <laughs> <laughs> um there and there's some stuff I mean a lot of folksy stuff would sound cool I, I think I've oh, seen yeah. someone do like Nutrimec Hotel and it it sounded pretty pretty authentic <laughs> but, uh, yeah there's one there's a there's a cover that I used to do. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the band, but it's the, uh, was it, and I'm singing at the day. Oh, uh, the, the, the postal, postal, uh, postal, yeah, service. postal service. Yeah. I used to do a cover of that song. Yeah. On the ukulele. That makes sense. And that's like a fun little song. Yeah. It's like, it's like four chords, like alternating. It's like, yeah, it's so simple. Yeah. Not, yeah. And then the singing pattern is very. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I go back to like the first like hip hop cover that I heard, like, gentrify that was the joke like uh dynamite hack did boys in the hood and then ben folds did bitches ain't shit i remember that one and uh you know that was the joke it wasn't like to be taken seriously and then after a while it's like like, look how goofy i look as a white man yeah yeah even the music videos were very like yeah um but yeah, um, I want to talk about a little more about At The Drive-In because yeah. I feel like we haven't talked about At The Drive-In enough yeah. on this, this, not just this episode, but in general. Uh, what got you into At The Drive-In? So I think it was a friend of mine was trying to get me into Mars Volta. Oh, yeah. And he was like, he was like, I was like, I don't know. I'm not into like this real spacey psychedelic stuff right now. And he was like, well, he was like, this will get you into Mars Volta. Yeah. Listen to At The Drive-In. And I was like, I like this so much more yeah. than Mars Volta right now. So I just dived into that. And really, I just kind of, uh, was it like swam around that area of that Greatest Hits album for a uh-huh. while, just because it was like, you know, I knew every song yeah. on it was going to be a great song, and it was just like, it's easier that way for me, honestly. I don't have to buy so many records. Yeah. I don't have to have so much shit in my house. This is when Kazaa would mess up your computer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I couldn't find the right skin for my winning yeah. player. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I had I had a dark angel win up skin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, think, what's your name? Um. Yeah. 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 Jessica, Jessica Alba. Alba. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, it's, it's getting old, thing, man. I knew learned one new celebrity, and I forget the rest of them. She doesn't do anything anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's a producer now, I believe. I think she's if she's not in front four. of the camera, she doesn't exist yeah. to me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, at the drive-in, I, I was lucky. I watched MTV two a lot and I would stay up late on like Fridays before I had a car and just watch like the buzzwordy uh, stuff. And like, you know, I remember I saw the music video for one arm scissor. And at that time I was kind of getting into like, I was already into classic rock for a while, but I learned about MC five and I see Cedric and Omar's like fro. And I see these guys are like, they look like me. They're, you know, Mexican and they're just destroying the stage. And I was just, it, it was like captivating. Yeah. And I, from there, like, I was just like, oh, that one arm scissor song, one arm scissor song. It wasn't oh, until like oh, a few yeah. years later when I bought the station is on operational and I kind of like, okay, this is going to be my Rosetta Stone, my guide. Exactly. To exactly. Band. Um, and then, and then I went like years later and I bought relationship of command and there's a lot of great songs on there that aren't on. Uh, station is on operational. Check that one out. Yeah, definitely. Um, the opening Arc Arsenal. That I like. One, it's got this like pounding drum beat. You know, it just and then you hear these like really like screeching riff. The screeching riff just it sounds like like it sounds like an eagle attacking something. It's just da 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 da, and it just builds up and builds up. And I I'm kind of the same way. I I didn't get into Mars Volta, and it's one of like my biggest like 
whatever the opposite of a guilty pleasure is, I feel guilty that I get in, didn't get into I them. Feel the same way. It's like a hole yeah. in my like you know music discography in my brain. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not like I don't like them. I just I need I need a guide. Yes. <laughs> um, but there there are aspects of obviously you hear it. I mean, his guitar work has evolved a lot. Yeah. But you can hear it in in that oh, drive and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. You can hear. You can you can hear where Mars Volta came from. Oh yeah, like it's one of those one of the best evolution. Like you can actually see the evolution of a yeah. certain thing. And then you know, then Sparta was also around. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I knew a lot of people that that was that was their favorite yeah. generation of it too, which was surprising to me. But <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that I, I we talked about Van Hagar versus Van Halen. Sparta is definitely Van Hagar. A hundred percent. But there's still like an aspect of Van Hagar and Sparta that is very like, okay, like I get it. Yeah. It's just that one of my friends, he said he refused to listen to Sparta or Mars Volta because he loved at the driving so much. It was like when Jonathan Taylor Thomas left home improvement, <laughs> it just wasn't the same. And he couldn't watch that iteration of home improvement. So he couldn't watch the iteration of Mars Volta. You couldn't watch the iteration of at the driving as Volta and Sparta. Totally understand that. <laughs> I can totally understand that. I did. Uh, I liked Sparta's first uh, wiretap. Um, I can't remember wiretap something, but uh, cut your ribbon. The single off of that is really great. And th- based off of that song alone, I went to go see them my freshman year in college, and it was right around finals time. I had two finals on Tuesday and two finals on Thursday. The show was on uh, Tuesday. I stayed up all night Monday to cr- to cram. Took those two tests, took a three-hour nap, went to go see Sparta, went to sleep, and they crammed again Wednesday night. And it was like, and I, I passed all my tests. It was like the most proud I've ever been, but it also made me realize, I'm like, I'm not really that into Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> that was not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. They put on a good show, and yeah. it, it was it was good enough. But um, but yeah, I was just like, eh, I, I won't do this again. <laughs> yeah. I feel that, I've felt that way about a couple shows. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Anything specific? Uh, one time, I remember... I. I guess specifically it was because I saw a band twice, it, literally one night, and then I saw them again the next night. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, was, I went up to Austin to take my cousin to go see this band, and I was like, oh, it's the same show. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I shouldn't have gone last night. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that like, is frustrating when, when that happens. There are a lot of bands who do different show sets every yeah. night. Um, there is, uh, are you familiar with, there's a, I think it's setlist.fm. Uh, no, you can actually go and see people will post a set list. That's cool. So it's cool to like one. I like to be surprised, but it's also nice to see like, okay, they play this for this, this for that. Um, there's a, a ska band that I really liked, still like uh, called Mad Caddies. They've become a little bit more reggae, uh, which is always white guys doing reggae is kind of like, okay, man, but they're good. Um, but uh, when they were more ska oriented, um, they, there's a song they have, where the singer sings uh, the chorus in Spanish. Oh, nice. And he, he does it really well. You could tell he's, I don't know if he's fluent, but he definitely sounds like it. And every show they would play in Texas, he would sing that. And they would always like introduce like, because they have fans from like the Valley. Yeah. Like we have any fans from Brownsville, any fans from McAllen, and they'd go into that song. And it was really cool. And I don't know if they ever played it most at other shows, but it was nice to like, it felt like it was for us. Yeah. That's that cool. was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, so do you have any final thoughts about you know, at the drive-in Morrissey Smiths? Um, if, if anyone is trying to become a musician, you probably definitely need to listen to the Smiths. Yeah. Even if you don't respect Morrissey <laughs> or any of that, they're just, they're just, you know, one of those bands that you know, provide so much inspiration. Uh, same with at the drive-in, honestly. Yeah. Too. It's like, if you're trying, if, if you think that you, you like punk music and you've never heard them, you got to listen to them. 
do you think you liked any of that kind of stuff? And uh, I don't know. It's nothing else, really. Yeah, I feel like Omar is like the E.E. E. Cummings of guitarists. Oh, yeah. He just breaks all the rules, and it just still sounds dope. Uh, one thing uh, we can, I mean, I always like the fact that you can hear the influence of Johnny Marr's guitar in uh, Say Anything's Alive with the Glory of Love. Oh, yeah. Like, that's this charming man, like the, the intro. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's, I don't think enough people talk about it. Or maybe I'm just like not looking at the right Reddit <laughs> for those. But um, it's it's cool that that that's become so so prominent that they can do that, and you know we can talk about it, and it's still not enough to where people are like, oh, that's ripping them off, you know? Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Because they, yeah, it's almost like they've been they put into this realm where they're like the jazz standards. Where people are just like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna reach into that yeah. that little that little thing real quick, you know, grab something and and you use that, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think that's just a testament to how the Smiths are. Yeah, it's definitely Johnny Mars. Yeah, guitar. yeah, and now he's playing with Modest Mouse. <laughs> right. Um, well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been Cover Stories B Sides. <laughs>